0: You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio.
1: This guy was uh, finished third, I think, in the Heisman balloting in 2006. Troy Smith won. Darren McFadden and then uh, Brady Quinn, the uh, former Notre Dame fighting Irishman, joining us on the program. What did you get for being a finalist uh, for the Heisman Trophy, Brady?
0: Uh, A trip to New York. And uh, I got to sit there for a while and watch someone else get the reward. No, it was it was look, uh, it was a good experience. You got to be around a lot of the other past greats in college football. Um, it's obviously an honor just to be in consideration for it. And that's you know that's gonna be the interesting part about this year. In listening to your discussion, is you know there really should be probably six or seven guys that go. You know they base it technically on the balloting or voting yeah. and that point system that they have and how many guys get first place, second place, third place votes. But the reality is, it's hard to think that there's not going to be a, a, you know, there's probably hard to distinguish between who you know should be the guy this year. I think if you're looking at the best quarterback play, that would be Bryce Young, in my opinion. Um, I think he's been the best quarterback from wire to wire, even though last week's game he struggled mightily. However, he did come up when they needed it the most. Um, Kenny Pickett's the most valuable to his team i don't know that Pitt's anywhere close to playing an acc championship game if he's not there so you could probably make a case for him you know i heard you talking about jordan davis and that's probably the downside of playing that position is as good as you can be as a defensive tackle when you play on the interior of the d line it's everyone else around you who's more often than not uh, going to be able to have success and it's you know you're, but you're still doing your job and you're dominant but it just doesn't get appreciated the same way as aiden Hutchison, for example who you can make the case of the best player in college football with the way he's played this year as a defensive end, and in their biggest moment, you know, last week he had his Heisman moment. Yeah, uh, as far as three sacks, fifteen pressures, which is unheard of. <laughs> I mean, you can make the case that he's as deserving of it as anyone.
1: Um, let me let me start with uh, Brian Kelly, um, his departure. I know that you being a, a Notre Dame fighting Irishman. Um, How could he have done it differently, better, uh, more tactfully?
0: He could have waited. He he literally could have just waited a week. If LSU wanted Brian Kelly that bad, or let me put it this way, if Coach Kelly wanted to leave Notre Dame, the most tactful way he could have done it is say to LSU, look, I want to come there, you want me, let's just push, push this thing off a week because If we have a chance to win, and it works out this weekend where they're actually in the college football playoffs, I want to go finish this job and try to coach this team to a national championship, and you should want that because you should want me to do the same thing if I'm in that position at LSU. And and the reason why I I say that is in part for the players, the coaches, everything that he was able to accomplish during his time at Notre Dame, that's just the proper way to do it. And also, though, for LSU, because – he's already done this before to Cincinnati. He built them up, got them to a a new year's six game and then left before that bowl game. And then now he's become the all-time winningest head coach in Notre Dame and left again at a time where you're going, you could have just waited a week to see if they're playing for it. And if look if the team was playing for a new year's six and they don't make it in, so be it. No one's going to hold it against you. But now I kind of warn LSU fans, you know, he's poked around at wanting to coach in the NFL at some point point. You know, what would exclude him from having a couple great seasons at LSU, which, you know, they'll probably have some, you know, have success. And then he starts wanting to leave to go take an NFL job. I mean, the timing's a little different because of the seasons, but um, that's where I just say if he just would have waited a week, I don't know that anyone would be upset about him wanting to leave for $95 million and where he feels like he's got a better chance of winning a national championship. That's his own prerogative. But the timing at which he did it, And then the way things become public with him telling that team, Hey, I think you're a top four team, and then turning around a day later and telling, you know, the LSU players why he's there and and why he's not a Notre Dame. It just—it all seems hypocritical, but probably nothing worse than the uh, the Southern accent that was displayed last night at the basketball (laughs) game in Baton Rouge. That uh, was—that took the cake, though. I'm I'm not not sure you're ever coming back to that. Uh,
1: Well, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Notre Dame made it official. Marcus Freeman is the new head coach, and we have exclusive audio of him taking over. And you know, he is embracing the culture at Notre Dame. Ah Brady, I just wanted to say it's a it's a real pleasure and an honor to be made the head coach of the Fighting Irish. See, I mean it it happened there in South Bend, and it happened to uh, Brian Kelly, you know, at LSU.
0: (laughs) It's weird how it works out like that. You know, you just you find yourself in that you know that top position. You feel like you got to assimilate and 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 fit in and all that. But uh, no, I mean, look, I'm happy for Marcus. I, I think he. You know, not only – he'll continually get better and better and better as a head coach. I mean, he continued to improve just as a defensive coordinator. You know, the players love him. You see the energy around that place. He kept everything intact. I mean, look at it. How many coaches went with Brian Kelly to to LSU? If that gives you kind of any indication of how they feel about Notre Dame, the rest of the coaches on that staff, the players in that locker room and their opportunity moving forward – uh, it it kind of just goes to show you that you know they they feel differently than the head coach felt, obviously leaving, so yeah uh, the reality is it, you know, they're hoping he'll be kind of like Mike Tomlin, who took over who hadn't been a head coach before, but took over at Pittsburgh, you know was able to win a Super Bowl you know it was able to really you know have a, have a ton of success since he's been there, especially relatively early. I, I think that's the hope there at Notre Dame and what you 're looking at with Marcus Freeman.
1: Brady will be part of Fox on-site pregame show in Indianapolis on Saturday night. It's Iowa and Michigan in the big 10 title game. Pregame show starts at seven Eastern with kickoff at eight Eastern. Uh, Watching uh, last night with Taysom Hill and the Taysom Hill experiment. I said, you know, you got to decide you want to play him. Then go all in as, as your quarterback. Like you, you want him to be Lamar Jackson. Then, then let's try to make him Lamar Jackson. But uh, and what do you make of the uh, the Taysom Hill experiment?
0: Well, I think it's hard to make him Lamar Jackson if you've got 10 other guys who have to adapt to a completely different style of offense. I mean, it, I don't care if it was Drew Brees last year or uh, Jameis Winston when, when he was starting this year. That's a different offense than what you're going to run with Taysom Hill if you want to make him that than, than what you're you know running with Jameis Winston or Drew Brees in the past. So that's more of the difficulty is. And that's why I think you, you see that kind of you need like an off season to really adapt and adjust to that and find the type of personnel that you need at the wide receiver tight end positions to make it work. But I I think at this point we kind of know what Taysom Hill is as a quarterback. I think we know what kind of offense they have to try to run and in order to be successful. So that, you know, I don't want to call it an experiment, uh, you know, or just, whatever decision that Sean Payne's made at this point, I think the tough thing for them moving forward is deciding on, like, what is our quarterback situation? Did Jameis Winston show us enough? Do they want to turn it over to Ian Book, which would be what I would do right now, and see what he's capable of doing? You drafted him for a reason. You should probably know where you're at with with every quarterback on this roster as you head into 2022, whether that's if you're looking for a veteran, you know, to trade or who would be a, a free agent. Or if you're looking in the draft again at one of these quarterbacks in the first round, you, you better have a good feel for what everyone's capable of doing and where you're at at that position. So at this point, I think we've seen enough to kind of know what he is and what he's not. And I think he's more valuable to their team as that Swiss Army knife, as opposed to you know playing quarterback around a, a group that's just not, I don't think the roster's built to play like that. I think they're more built for a pocket passer, or a Drew Brees a Jameis Winston.
1: If we did a redraft... With Micah Parsons. So Trevor Lawrence stop me where you would put Micah Parsons. Trevor Lawrence goes number one. Zach Wilson goes number two. Trey Lance goes well, I mean I think you'd already start there saying maybe Mac Jones goes number two if it's gonna be another quarterback taken. But yeah. Okay, but where's Micah Parsons go? Um, would you take I mean, him probably somewhere... like if you're the Atlanta with Kyle Pitts? Uh, Bengals got a great player in Jamar Chase. Uh, Jalen Waddell has played well in Miami. Uh, Penny Sewell uh, in Detroit. Um, J.C. Horn. I'll,
0: I'll put it this way. He was, if you're just looking at the overall prospects and taking out positions, I mean, he was one of, without a doubt, a top five prospect. So if you're ranking it that way, I mean, based on his ability to play off the ball, on the ball, rush the pass, all that stuff, I mean, he's freakishly athletic. He was a top prospect. You know, you would have looked at him as, you know, could he help any team that he got drafted to and immediately have an impact, and eventually you could see him wearing a gold jacket someday. Yeah. And so you could probably have stopped at the Jets at two and said if, if they didn't have a huge need at quarterback, but they did. So they, they, you really can't go that direction there. And then as you proceed through the rest of the draft, you know, San Francisco, could they have used them? Sure. But they wanted to go after Trey Lance because maybe they feel like he's more of the future. They don't want to pass up on that. So we can go through the draft, but the reality is he was probably a top four, top three prospect uh, at, at, you know, overall, if you just took away all the positions and what he had put on tape and how he was going to test and how he's going to segue into the
1: NFL. Why do we put designations on players? Because Micah Parsons went from being a linebacker to we need you as an edge rusher and you get paid as an edge rusher. You don't get paid as a linebacker. And I think that's going to be interesting to watch is, you know, how he's listed. But Micah Parsons is sort of a TJ Watt kind of player and, uh, you know, should be up there for defensive player of the year. Because this was, this is one of the worst defenses statistically in the history of the sport. And he, along with Diggs and Dan Quinn uh, have really made them presentable at least. And at times formidable.
0: Well, you'd have to say it was a little bit of luck. I mean, he started playing off the edge like that because of injuries. Yeah, It wasn't necessarily where they were originally going to put him, and that's usually how this all works out, right? Like Tom Brady ended up in New England out of you know, luck. He got drafted in the sixth round. He turned out to be the greatest player of all time. So that's a piece of it. I think how Dan Quinn uses him is a part of it, too, understanding his background. He had played defensive end in the past. When you saw him rush the passer at Penn State, you understood he could be able to get pressures, he could get to the quarterback. So all those things kind of added up to his ability to do it. But you have to have a coaching staff that's willing to, that's, that's going to be willing to look at his stature and size and say, can he still set the edge? Can he still play stout on that side, even though he's not your typical you know, 4-3 defensive end and what that body style looks like. So um, it, it's a little bit of luck. It's coaching. It's obviously the abilities – of Micah Parsons, who can pick that sort of stuff up as a young player in this league, which probably is is the most impressive thing. It's just you talk about football IQ, a guy who can play off the ball like that, where he was probably originally designated to play, and now he plays on the ball, and he's able to do it flawlessly. I mean, it's not even like he's hit a rookie wall or you feel like he's had a bad game. Wire to wire, he's been phenomenal. Ah, uh, this entire season for them. So, uh, obviously, you got to give him a ton of credit too to the way he's kind of devoted himself. And I know he didn't play last year at Penn State, so may- maybe you know that was part of it too. He was preparing himself for understanding the NFL game uh, as he was sitting out last year.
1: More likely to see a surprise: Michigan, Iowa, or Georgia, Alabama.
0: Well, if you're if you're going to look at the betting lines, you would say Alabama because that's at least a closer spread. Uh, and I'd probably say Alabama, too, just because they've got a couple of absolute stars. I, I feel I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Will Anderson is being in that conversation along with Aiden Hutchinson. I mean, it, you know, Will Anderson's been a part of a defense that gets overshadowed by Georgia because Georgia's been so good. I mean, they remind me of, like, the 93 Florida State defense if, if we go back that far. But, I mean, it, it, you know, they're second to Georgia in almost every category for the most part. He's been a big reason why. And so you could throw his name into that list of of Heisman candidates, but they've got him on one side and they got Bryce Young on the other. And if there's like two guys who can really and truly impact the game, it's at that edge position and it's at the quarterback spot. And and Bryce Young makes up for so many uh, of their issues up front, whether schematically on their offensive line or just mismatches. And, And this will be a tough one for them. You know, every single week he makes some throws and plays that you just go, no one else is really doing this in college football, and he's only a freshman. So I think George is the team that probably you would say in, in this championship weekend uh, of the teams that are in contention for the playoff is the one that you might put on upset alert uh, just because of the stars that they have on each side of the football at Bama.
1: Great to talk to you. Safe travels to Indy, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Brady. Sounds good. Thanks. Yeah. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox
0: Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: I got news here. I got... There you go. Odyssey is announcing a new weekly uh, weekday afternoon show. Starring Maggie Gray and Andrew Perloff for CBS Sports Radio. Got the same name as our guy. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Todd. So you better weird. not take McLovin. <laughs> yeah. But you're right, Todd. They hired somebody named Andrew Perloff, also known as McLovin. So McLovin is going to leave the uh, show, he is going to leave at the end of the year. Andrew Perloff joins Odyssey. This is the press release after serving as an on-air personality for the TV and radio sports talk program, The Dan Patrick Show, since 2009. Known for his humor and against-the-grain sports takes, Perloff, nicknamed McLovin on the show, helped earn four sports Emmy nominations from 2017 to 2020. Before joining The Dan Patrick Show, Perloff was an editor and contributor to Sports Illustrated. Yes, McLovin.
2: There must be another agent. No, yeah. Thank you, guys. Yeah, it's a sad day and happy day.
1: Um, no, I'm happy for you that you got something where you're going to be able to be a co host with Maggie Gray, who uh, we like. And uh, you get an opportunity doing, uh, you know, big boy things, hosting a radio show and quality of life. You know, every morning McLovin would drive from Brooklyn an hour and a half at least and get up here and then have to head back. Um, he never complained and came in always with ideas, good mood, um, had fun and, uh, you know, been around us a long time, you know, 12 years, long time. And, uh, I had the under, I didn't think that uh, we would keep you that long, but, uh, 12 years, pretty well, good stuff.
2: Yeah. I mean, thank you for everything. Obviously you made this all happen. Everyone said it was a bad idea, you know, bringing the four of us, but, uh, yeah, No, it's no, no just you. Yeah, yeah, me. Uh, well, you know, as you tell the story, the way I got the job was just kept driving up. You did. And then one day you're like, hey, Andrew's here again today. Um, but, yeah, thanks to all you guys. Every one of you guys have done so much for me. I, I can't even explain.
1: Um, And, you know, I as I talked to McLovin yesterday, and I said, look, I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm happy for you. Like, if I truly care about you, then I should be proud and happy, and I am for you and, and your wife and your two daughters, and, you know, you're going to be missed, and it's not, I can't replace that, um, and I don't want to replace that. You know, maybe there's somebody else who does something different, but what you've done and how you've done it, and you, you, you bought in. You did. You bought in, and you became a great team player, so you will be missed. McLevin will, uh, will be with us until December 23rd.
2: Yeah, and th- and you guys bought into me from the get-go. You told me what to do. Pauly told me what to do. Seton helped me so much. Todd sits next to me, that's all. I actually that. would take Dan yeah. over to the side in the yeah. days back in your attic and saying he showed up again. What is he still doing? No, no. Yeah, but so you guys have, to have a conversation with him about that. You told me this sort of like when I came, I like didn't know you guys. I didn't know when you guys were telling the truth or when you were doing a bit a little bit. <laughs> but you guys, you said, have fun. I don't think it's you okay. still know. When I still we're sometimes, I'm not totally sure. <laughs> because you guys had a rhythm that you just sort of welcomed me into um Going back to the ESPN days, and I,
1: I again just so much gratitude. We wish you well, and uh, you'll be working with uh, CBS Sports Radio and the afternoons, and uh, you know consult your local listings. Yes, Paulie.
0: There's a couple of issues we have though, Dan, because in, in the press release says he was part of eight, uh, four uh, sports Emmy nominations. Yeah, they should have included he was part of eight other times we were not nominated wow. for the Sports Emmy. Wow, he was part of those two. Okay. Do we keep McLovin the name? Do we intellectual property? Do we keep?
1: Well, McLovin wanted to be known as Pearl. Is yeah. he now Pearl, though? If he wants... I don't think he wants McLovin. I gave him the name because I thought he looked like the guy from, you know, Superbad, uh, McLovin, like he would be related to him. And I just said, he looks like McLovin. And it just stayed. He kept saying, you know, my nickname in college was Pearl. It
2: stayed because you couldn't remember my real name for the first three months I was up here. Yeah, Paulie just... called me Commander
0: until about <laughs> 2010, true. about Mag, a week ago.
1: That is, that is, you know, that's your uh, fallback. When Paulie doesn't know your name, hey, hey, Commander. Yeah, Paulie.
0: Mags and the Pearl in the morning? Was what what no, the No, it's of Afternoons. Of the afternoons. Show? afternoons.
1: Yeah, yeah. They don't dare put him up against this show in the morning. They had to put him in the afternoon. Well, I got to watch the show and steal ideas from you guys in the morning. Oh, I'm busy. Oh, you would be the one stealing ideas from well, the it's, Well,
2: it's sort of the, the way the business
1: works. Yeah, it does. It's uh, sampling is what it's called in the music industry.
2: But I, Paul brought up an interesting question. Like the four nominations, yes. The fifth nomination, mm-hmm. if it comes, I don't want to do anything. Mm-hmm. I'm, at the, I'm here for the annual you would show. Get,
1: you would get a sports Emmy if we would win. If, 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 but you know, I'll just take the nomination. Yeah, Paul.
0: I think we did a poll question on this once. Would it bother you if you left the show and the show won a sports Emmy the next
1: year? Oh, we
0: did a poll question on oh, it. Ooh. <laughs> that,
1: that would kill me. That would me. That would be awesome if we won the sports Emmy <laughs> and McLovin was gone.
0: We win it for 2022.
1: Yeah. and then we could point at McLovin as the reason why we never won, and we didn't know it until we left.
0: Yeah, I would like to thank you for the award. Nothing really changed here. Same interview, same uh, content, but
2: one thing changed. Yeah. So that's a that would be your first thought after it out today. Yes. yes. <laughs> You're just laugh. And, and the winner
1: is the Dan Patrick Show. Yes, we did it without McLovin. Yes.
2: Yeah, I just figured you guys celebrated me sort of running in the background trying to be. Yeah. In the-
1: now you'll be with Maggie Gray doing your afternoon drive show. Yeah, in well. New York City. Yes, McLevin. The the uh, next update: we have a new Booker. His name: the best
2: in the business, Scott Shapiro. Is... Scott hey, Shapiro. There you go. No,
1: no it. That's yeah. not true. Scott, that's not true. Scott Shapiro cannot <laughs> leave Fox Sports Radio. Yes, Tom. I did hear against
0: the grain is now going to be pearls of wisdom. There's just a little buzz oh, on the street. Okay. Right. I'm not sure if that's where they're going
2: yet. Right. Why is popular music so popular? <laughs>
0: And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan and We have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex. Twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week, we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy
1: lineup. Sit starts fantasy football players rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Harmon and me, Dan Byer, on the
0: iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Adam Carolla has a new show. It's called uh, Truth Yeller, The Daily Wire with Adam Carolla. He'll be joined by comedic legends like Jay Leno, Rob Riggle, William Shatner, uh, hilarious stand-up specials. First episode just premiered on the Daily Wire this past Friday. We spoke with Adam Carolla, and uh, I asked him if he'd ever been fired from a job. Uh,
3: well, I—I I mean, it's—it's it's a little murky these days. Uh, but I, you know, my radio format, my radio station, I was on when I was doing morning radio when I took over for Howard Stern on the West Coast flip formats in 09. So I wasn't really fired, but I didn't have a place to go Monday morning. So I'll, 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 I'll take that as firing. But
1: when you think back on that, you're replacing Howard Stern. Was there any part of you that said, what am I doing?
3: Well, you know, when I was replacing Howard Stern and and I was successful and had a bunch of affiliates and was number one in a lot of markets and, and did it for over three years, people would say to me all the time, like, wow, you're replacing Howard Stern. And I had an answer for him. And also I had a history. I had done Stern show 50 times I'd sat in with him all the time. I used to sit in Artie's chair and you know do all four hours and stuff like that. So to many, Stern was the great and powerful Oz. You know, to me, I kind of knew him as a friend and a almost a colleague and a guy. And I felt like I'd been in the ring and sparred with the champ so many times that I felt like, oh yeah, I, I feel confident about this. Uh, But I said, when people said, you know, you're replacing Howard Stern, aren't you intimidated? And I said, you know, Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston used to be married, and then they got divorced. And if somebody said, would you like to date Jennifer Aniston, your first thought might be, well, I don't know if I look as good as Brad Pitt with my shirt off, but you'd be a fool not to say yes. And that's the way I approached it
1: would you date Brad Pitt?
3: That's kind of what I was saying. I'm glad you were able to. <laughs> the
1: should you ever apologize for a joke?
3: <clears throat> I always think you should apologize on a macro level and not a micro level. So, you know, sometimes with me, people go, Oh, he never apologizes. I, I apologize to my daughter all the time. I would apologize to my wife. I'd apologize to my dad, my mom, like my sister, like friends, like people I'd done something wrong to on a sort of micro level. You don't want to be the person that just doesn't apologize. You know, if you walk into a Starbucks and you cut in front of somebody in line and they say, Excuse me, apologize. Oh, sorry, I didn't see you, you know. But when you tell a joke and you sort of put it out to the world, and the mob comes after you then don't apologize to the mob apologize to the man
1: explain the new show that you're doing uh the daily wire has a new comedy show it's called truth yeller and you had uh, jay leno is your first guest william shatner rob riggle are so what what is the goal with this show
3: well it's a series of stand-up specials hour-long stand-up specials it's on the daily wire um for me, I'm a comedian, I wanna do a stand-up special. There's no real play for me at Netflix or HBO. Hollywood has kind of gotten ultra woke and I'm on the wrong side of history, according to them. So I went somewhere that would embrace me and that was The Daily Wire. It's a traditional standup special at the beginning. I do about 15 or 20 minutes of stand at the beginning. Then the guest comes out, guest does a little bit of stand-up, we'll do an interview, we'll play some games, and at the end we do a full improv game where before the show we'll hand up balls to the audience, they'll write one word on it, it'll go into a bingo hopper, the guest will pull it out, say the one word, and whatever the one word is, we need to do or I need to do a stand-up routine on it. So it's improv, it's stand-up, it's kind of a hybrid, thing. It's a good show. We've done two so far. They've really turned out great. And it's just exciting to kind of mess with the format a little bit.
1: How dangerous of a time is it for comedians?
3: Well, it's dangerous if you're a comedian and you host The Bachelor, or you're a comedian and you work for ESPN, or you, you know, if you have a mothership, it's very dangerous. If your mothership is HBO or ABC or CNN, or you're going to get screwed. You're not going to be able to go out, do a set that night, and then come back to work in the morning. Someone's going to film you. If you don't really have a mothership, if you can be sort of autonomous, uh, like I am, then there's no danger whatsoever. The real danger is when you're getting a paycheck from Disney, and Disney can cut you off.
1: Give me the. Uh- person that you'd love to interview in this format
3: well Dan I feel like you would make a guest no. okay no uh then uh I'll go with Lee Iacocca
1: is he still alive <laughs> no he's not well, now I'm out of answers how about an um, athlete
3: um yeah I mean like someone like Charles Barkley would be awesome up there you know or maybe Aaron Rodgers or, you know, somebody who was kind of in the zeitgeist, someone who had something to say, someone who had, you know, aspirations beyond what they did on the court or the playing field guys, guys like that,
1: Tom Brady, LeBron James.
3: Yeah. Although I feel like Tom Brady and LeBron, I I think Tom would be a little careful about what he was saying. LeBron would have a kind of hard angle to what he was saying. They, they would all be welcome. Of course. But to me, I, I, I feel I feel like the uh, round mound of rebound would probably be my, my choice.
1: And I'm sure you've been around people. I'm always fascinated that if I'm around a stand up comedian or I'm around somebody who is just funny. That doesn't mean that the person who is just funny could be a stand up comedian. And sometimes that stand up comedian is not good at just being funny in the room. Does that make sense to you?
3: Yeah, I think you know. To to bring it to your world, I always thought being funny is like saying that guy's athletic. You know what I mean? But what's his sport? You know, where's the training? You know, you know what is the discipline? You know, comedy is kind of that way. You know, being generically funny is like saying, "Oh, that guy's a really good athlete." You know what I mean? But 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 you don't get paid unless you pick a sport you know and then you focus on it and you get good at it stand up you know late night host morning radio taking that funny that athleticism and then directing it and training it because you know we we all remember you guys that were just great natural athletes but you got to you got to train you got to study the game film you, going back to Tom Brady and back to Back to guys like Brady. I know guys who are really funny, but they couldn't really get get it out on stage. Yeah. You know, just yeah. like that guy's a great athlete, but he's not a. And then other guys would play beyond their ability, or there were gamers. You know, they showed up in those real clutch moments and got that hit in the ninth inning. So sports and comedy are are kind of kind of analogous in in that in that regard.
1: But who is the funniest comedian who's not doing his stand-up bit where you're just sitting around at dinner and, and he just makes you laugh where it hurts?
3: You know, I always say like people say to me, like, who's the funniest guy, you know, Adam? And I go, you don't know that guy's name. <laughs> that's that's the problem. You know, they're guys. I mean, guys like Jimmy Kimmel are funny guys. But I know guys that are technically funnier, but they don't have his work ethic. They don't have his focus. They don't have his drive. They don't have his ten thousand hours of experience. that you know, just like you know, Jerry Rice and Jerry Porter. You know, Jerry Porter had <laughs> it. I I do think about this because I know Jerry. I I was at the Raiders training camp when Jerry Porter, who was a wideout for the Raiders, and someone else after that. He was an amazing, phenomenal athlete. Jerry Porter was taller, faster, and had bigger hands than Jerry Rice. But, but Jerry Rice is going to the Hall of Fame, and Jerry Porter isn't. And that's not because Jerry Rice is a better athlete than Jerry Porter.
1: Is this the first Jerry Porter reference on the show, Paulie? Uh, in at least a decade. Okay, that's what I. That's what I thought.
3: Uh, David. What? I challenge you, Dan, to watch Jerry Porter and try it yourself. When he made a catch and he got knocked down and he was on his back in the NFL, he could get up without using his hand (laughs) from his back. He would kick. Look it up. Everyone look it up. He would kick his heels to the side, hold the ball on his chest, and just rise. He's a 6'3", 230-pound guy in full pads who would just pop up. He was a incredible athlete.
1: And it really meant nothing to his ability to catch a pass.
3: No, it didn't. I think it freaked the defense <laughs>
1: out a little. <laughs> I've been around David Spade before. And and so Sandler, uh, Chris Rock, the whole group, when they're around Schneider, Spade's the funniest guy. and and, right. and they acknowledge it. Rock and Sandler say Spade is the funniest guy. Now, if I put that, you know, to a question for people, they would not pick David Spade over Sandler or Chris rock or Chris Farley. You know, there's just something about the sneaky throwaway line that I love. See, I was never, a uh, a, a Robin Williams fan because it, it was so there where I want to find it. I don't want it to find me. Uh, right. But, you know, you have some comedians, you know, Sam Kennison was there right in front of you, uh, a lot of great guys. I just love the the humor where they tap you on the shoulder. Where do you stand yeah, with that?
3: Yeah, no, I'm 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 with you. I I feel the same way about lingerie. I I just I I mean I don't need all the heels and all the straps and all the uh, all the tassels. <laughs> I I just like uh, nice brawn panties and and it's go time. I don't want to be hit in the face.
1: I don't want to get hit in the face either with it. Well, good luck with it. It's great to talk to you again.
3: I, I appreciate it. Always good to talk to you, Dan.